Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. Well, you have tuned in to a very special episode, episode 57 why is this so special? Well, I'm going to keep you guessing. I'll let you know in just a moment. But uh, on this week's episode, Matthew Jacoby and I sit down and we go through the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18 and 19. We talk about the concept of who is the greatest, what is grace and authority, some deep subjects on this week's episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. Well, like I said, this is a very special episode. Why? Well, I'll let you know just after the break here with Matthew. Thank you so much for tuning in to Thrive Deeper. Well, Matt, we've done it. This is a very important episode. Is it? 57. I don't, don't ask me why it happens on episode 57, but it was on this day last year that we started... Oh, was it really? So Thrive it's our deeper. One year anniversary. It's our one year anniversary. Ah. Happy birthday. Crack open the champagne. <laughs> it's probably a little early for that. Actually. Exactly. By the time we're recording this. But if you've been with us from the start, we started July 9th, 2018. It's when we kicked off episode one of Thrive Deeper. We've been going for a year. Mm. Again, don't ask me how we ended up having 50, 57 episodes in one year. Mm. We, uh, we gave you a few bonuses there. But. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I can't believe it's been a year. Feels longer than that. Yeah, you've got this world. If you could see Matt's face now, he's got this world where he look at his eye like we've been doing it for five years straight. Well, it's it, it's great. People ask me, so, so you know, when they ask me to describe, it's just, a t- you know, I say it's a couple of Bible nerds sitting around talking about the Bible. It's like, it's yeah. I, I love it, you know, yes. because it's... Uh, and I don't think we're similar. There's just nothing better than yeah. just digging into this stuff. Could do this all day yeah, long. Yeah, that's right. Could yeah. do this so all day good. long. Yeah. Again, in, in our in our one Welcome year... Welcome to our... Matt and DJ's Bible study. <laughs> the, the, one, the one year anniversary, I still will put it out there that the greatest compliment that we have gotten in the first year of this, uh, of this podcast is uh, Marcelo from Sydney, an avid listener. Uh, g'day Marcelo, saying that you two are like the uh, the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis of of uh, Bible Bible study. You, of course, being the Dean Martin and me being the Jerry Lewis. I still think that's my favourite, my favourite explanation. All right, <laughs> we'll take that. We'll still take that one. Now we are on our first anniversary here. We are uh, deep into the Gospel of Matthew, the the first book of the new of our New Testament. And uh, the first narrative we have, our first intro- introduction of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And uh, so we are looking at that. In this episode, we want to get through as much as we can of chapters 18 and 19 mm-hmm. uh, in this one. Now, Matt, a way that some people sort of break down the book of Matthew is there are, there are about five really long um you know, time, you know, five times in in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus has really long teaching periods. Yeah. He goes on and teaches like yeah. a whole, or at least Matthew collects yeah. those teaching yeah. periods in these big That's hits. Right. 
This is another big. This is another big block. Yeah, that's this right. is another big block of Jesus teaching, yeah. and I'd go as far as to say this is some of the most. You know, we mentioned last episode, things are getting more dramatic. Like yeah. if this is a movie, the yep. dr- the dramatic music, the violins, everything is building to a crescendo here. It's getting more and yep. more dramatic. The lights are getting lighter. The darks are getting darker. Jesus is revealing more of himself yeah. as as you know, this spiritual entity from God, you know, God yeah. himself. And he now has this long period of teaching. There's some hard stuff yeah. in this teaching, Matt. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, I mean, it's interesting how it goes from, it begins, this block of teaching begins with the little children coming uh, to Jesus. And, uh, well, well, sorry, it begins with Jesus taking a child uh, this is how he begins this block of teaching. His disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Mm. Um, and uh, it's a short question, but boy, they get a long answer. Uh, mm. w- w- this takes us right into into chapter 20. In fact, it, it goes right up until at the end of chapter 19. Yeah. We have the story of the rich man, the rich young man that comes yes. to Jesus. You know, again... Uh, this is the kind of guy that's like the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, he's 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 a rich young ruler. He's he's the upstanding man. He's kept the law. You know, he would claim that God has blessed him, and you can see the because wealth was seen as a sign of God's blessing on your life. And so, um, uh, it, this is all connected. You have two of these moments uh, with with the children and Jesus talking about the children. And then you've got him talking about the first being last and the last being first. Yeah. So he's. Th- this is a block of teaching where he's get, where he's flipping a lot of things on their head, and um, uh, and you know he talks about the lost sheep, for example, in this that he le- he's he leaves the ninety nine and goes for the one. Yeah. Um, the unforgiving servant is 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 how he finishes yeah, off that chapter. That's the right. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Oh, and you know, that's a heavy. That's yeah, again. That's which a heavy is about one. you know, um, a master that shows mercy to a servant, but that servant then doesn't show mercy to his servant in turn, and and um, and so th- this is the, the the what's flipping everything on its head is this idea of grace. Yeah, and mm. and this also comes out in chapter twenty, where he talks about this parable of the workers in the vineyard. Different people rock up for work at different times of the day, yeah. and they, well, the first people that turn up and do the whole day's work, he agrees on a wage, yeah. and then people turn up at different points all through the day, in, 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 including people who just do like the last hour work, and they get paid the same amount. Yeah. And he says that's what the kingdom of God's like. Yeah. So he's 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 really. Um, now is that hang on is that what what financial system is that that we can politically argue yeah, no, about yeah, yeah. is that a socialist worldview is that a free market worldview what's going on yeah, there I don't think that's the point <laughs> uh, the point is is that he's illustrating how great how and, and that's where he finishes that uh, the parable of the um, workers in the vineyard with different people getting paid all the same even though they work different hours mm-hmm. you know he says at the end of it verse 16 of chapter 20 so the last will be first and the first will be last right mm-hmm. so um, you know, the, the least in the kingdom of God would have been, well, it's the children. But he's saying, but no, you need to become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom of God. That's the problem with the rich man, right? Mm. Uh, the rich man comes, hey, I've done all these things. I'm rich. I've got it. You know, 
here is this upstanding virtuous man. It's Jesus saying, no, it's hard, It's going to be harder for you to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to enter the to go through the eye of a needle, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you need to become like a little child to enter mm. the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what the rich young man isn't doing. What he means by becoming a child is to come in this place of childlike dependence on God, as in... I need grace. It's mm. it's it's not the and the parable of the workers in the vineyard is addressing those who think that hey I've done my whole day's work, I'm worthy of the full deal. Yeah. And he's saying, yeah, but I'm going to give that to the guys that came at the last minute. You know, and the the problem um, that he is um, dealing with is that he has come to bring grace. Mm. And it's only those who know that they need it, who have a sense of their dependence on God's mercy, are going to be the only ones who can receive that. So the rich young man thinks, well, I get to enter the kingdom of heaven because I've done all these things, right? Yeah, yeah. And Jesus says, and for that very reason, it's going to be harder for you to enter than yeah. for the camel to enter the eye of a needle. And it's why the you know it's why he takes the little children and has them uh, uh, has them uses the little child as an example of the so, kind so, of person that and, that, and that opens up for the whole, um, you know, starting in this passage yep. uh, there in, in, in Matthew 18, yep. the, the, the initial question that all of these things point back to in some way or another talks about, you know, greatness, position, yeah. you know, what, what the I you know, exactly like you're saying, what does greatness mean in this new kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? Yep. It's completely yeah. opposite well, yeah, of what we right. think. And, and it's even it's even more than that. It's it's about this is about what does God really want? Mm. You know, who, who does who does God go for? Well, he goes for the lost sheep in in you know from there from um, Matthew eighteen verse ten onwards. Yeah. Um, he says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that the angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. Uh, mm. that's an interesting statement, but I could we could add some footnotes to that, but <laughs> in in other words, he's saying this is a, a a sense of their status. Like I have assigned top level angels to these people when they yeah. thought, oh, God assigns top level angels to the most important people in the kingdom. Yes, and Jesus says, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's and the little children. These are yeah. yeah. Um, and then he says, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety nine uh, on the hills and go and look for that one? lost sheep so he's it's the again the problem with the rich young ruler is he did not identify himself as one of the lost sheep Mm. that's what makes it difficult for him uh so the um it's it's a profound block of teaching i think it's important because this is actually an issue to get just to get this away from abstract discussion yes the most difficult thing for in all my times of being a pastor the most the biggest obstacle to people feeling acceptable by God is, is this sense of my unworthiness. I'm not good enough. As though what could, God really even... wanted was for you to be good enough. Yeah, yeah. But actually, Jesus spends so much time flipping that on its head, mm. uh, including in um, Luke, uh, I think, 18. I think it's in Luke 18, where he talks about two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, one a tax collector. You know, the Pharisee said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. Mm. But the tax collector couldn't even lift up his eyes, Mm. beat his Mm. breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, which one goes away justified? It's the tax collector. And and the point that we miss in in stories like that, and a lot of these stories here, is that the crowd, the disciples, people listening, are going, 
they they're thinking it's the opposite. Yeah, and the, and, this, and when Jesus, we go well. Of course, we've heard the story a thousand times. Yeah. We expect him to point to the tax collector, yeah. but that is so foreign yeah. to the oh, audience of the time. Completely foreign. They were like, "What? You know, what are you talking about?" So let's 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 just really quickly go through, uh, you know, some of some of the uh, you know some of the stories here as he goes in, in chapter eighteen. So he starts off by talking about children, and he sets them as an example of yep. they are the greatest. He then talks about. Sin. He talks about the idea of temptation and sin. Yeah. He has a very, very, again, one of those hard passages that have been used and misused quite a lot, saying if your hand tempts you to sin or you're sinning by your hand or your foot or whatever, chop it off. Be, you're better off going into the, you know, into the kingdom of heaven without a hand or a foot than to be all of mm. you going into hell. Yeah. That's well, a, I think the, the, that verse about if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble... Hmm. Like he's addressing the fact again. Remember, this is this kingdom, this idea of this is this spiritual kingdom. It's not a kingdom by force. This is a kingdom of little children. Yep. We're going to be like little children. We're going to go ahead in humility and, and 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 weakness in that in that sense. Yes. And now, because uh, the other thing that he's constantly predicted is this persecution. They're, they're not going to be. They're not going to go out with the sword and win the world by the sword. They're gonna, actually he predicts they're going to be on the other end of the sword, the wrong yep. end of the sword. Yeah. But he's saying. That be careful because God is zealous for these little ones, mm. for these children of mine. Mm. And he's predicting the fact that uh, they are going to be, people going to try to get them to deny their faith. Okay. I, I think that's probably what he's going on. In, in light of the that's temptation right. part? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, and so if you cause one of these little ones to stumble who believe mm. in me, mm. then it's better for you that a millstone hides around your neck. Um, because, I mean, initial, they're going to, the early Christian church is going to be, Persecuted, uh, the first great persecution, of course, is led uh, by well Saul, mm, mm. who actually gets converted and becomes Paul. Yeah. So, so it's it's this big Jewish uh, persecution. Now, that's interesting in the light of this, anyway. Yes, uh, the fact that Paul is the one who has the millstone around his neck, yeah. but he gets forgiven. Yeah, you know, so. It's just interesting the way that works, and we'll, and we'll touch on that. So he goes from that to you know goes from you know the children to the idea of temptation and cutting off the hand of the feet. He goes to the parable of the lost sheep is next. You know, yeah, can I, let me let me just say something about the you know about that cutting off the hand. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Think I should just make a comment about that. Um, you know, he says, you know, woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Yeah. Um, uh, such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. So, he's saying, "You watch if you better not persecute uh, my people." Mm. Um, and you know, if your hand and and, it's, and and I think from moving to that, if your hand or foot cause you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. I think there he's saying, um, "It's a bit to everyone. It's like don't let your." Um, like hold on to your faith. It's like he's. It's yep. this hold on to your faith. Yes. Things are going to heat up. You got to hold on to your faith. Don't let your. Don't be tempted into making that offering to that pagan god or that or whatever okay. the situation there. Yeah. Um. Uh. Because there's there's a bigger issue here than just worldly suffering. Okay. Uh. Don't let yourself be drawn away. Um. 
I think he's talking about a few things there probably, but that's Yeah, that's there's some depth there's them. some yeah. depth to that there. Yeah. So we get the parable of the sheep, which is you know pretty pretty you know clear. The ninety nine, leaving the ninety nine, yeah. going after the one, uh, you know, beautiful picture that we see often often about Christ. And then we get the uh, he, he gets his teaching about the you know the brother you know if a, if a brother sins against you, and this is where we get I think it's the mm. second mention of the concept of the church here. Yeah. Jesus talking about the church or whatever that is you know whatever word that is translated mm. from. Where he brings up this idea of the witnesses going to your brother who has sinned, and and uh, you know, th- this whole concept that a lot of yeah. church discipline is based on here comes out of yeah. this this passage here in Matthew eighteen. Yeah. Any comments ar- around that, Matt? Um, yeah. Well, the the word church there is uh, is ecclesia, um, which uh, means. Uh, which is like an assembly, an assembly that gets that gets called. It. But it, that's basically he's talking to the assembly of the uh, of, of of God's people. You know, I mean, he's um, uh, he's talking about restoration here. I know, um, I know, he is. It, it sounds very harsh. You know, if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector, which is interesting because Jesus sought after, that, you know, yep. seeks up. But there's a tax collector but, writing but he, this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, that's right. So that's that's interesting in itself. Um, yeah, it's an it's an interesting little excerpt, uh, mm. and um, and he is uh, just how this fits in to the context is is not completely clear. But he is he's it's in the context of dealing with if your hand caused you to sin. I mean, he's said that, but he's talked about the lost sheep then, mm. and and restoring the lost sheep. Yeah. Now, he, yes, God goes after the lost sheep, yeah. but uh, here's the, the other end of the balance. Here's the other end of the yes. balance. The, yeah. That um, if your brother sins, then um, then point it out. Like, mm. go after them. Go after mm. the lost sheep. Um, and uh, but you can't. Um, you can only go so far with that. Yeah. You have yeah. to let them go. If they want to go, you've got to let them go. The point is, they've got to be. They've got to ask for forgiveness and come back. There's got to be repentance there, and they come yeah, back. Yeah. So again, I, I think you know, it's probably you know, partly this thing of don't try to force things, or it's like, do whatever you can, mm. take it to the church, like, but you just got to let them go, right? Mm. Mm. If 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 the lost sheep wants to wander and keep wandering, let it wander, mm. you know. But that doesn't. He's not saying that God gives up on them. Yeah. Uh, there. That's the important thing. And then, and then we get uh, the parable of the unforgiving servant, which starts off by you know you can hear you can see Peter just listening to all this and getting yeah. convicted and processing, and he goes, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, I've got, I've got, I've got a question, I've got a question there. This whole forgiveness business, this yeah. whole you know, my brother keeps sinning against me. Look, how about we put a number on it? How many times? I'll even go out crazy, Jesus. Mm. I'll go crazy here seven times. How about we can forgive them seven times? Yeah. And Jesus, you can see Jesus just laughing at him and going, "Look, I'm not going to say seven times. Seventy times seven, yeah, you know." That's right. And yeah. and he then talks again about the kingdom being like this, you know, the yeah. unforgiving, you know, the unforgiving servant, which is for Peter to hear that as as Jesus is telling that in that first instance would yeah. be really quite hard on Peter uh, which is also interesting coming from this idea that if uh, if your brother or sister uh you know sins yes th- then th- this this is flowing out of that yes 
So yeah. you need to be prepared to forgive and forgive and forgive to, to the nth degree, basically. Yeah. It's not like, oh, 70, uh, I'll do the calculation and once I get to yeah. the, past that point, <laughs> yeah. then I don't need Ding. to forgive anyone. No, yeah. he's saying to the absolute yeah. nth degree. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it's, um, he is... He's, then, he's here saying that the way that I treat you, this grace principle that he's been outlining, this is the way that I want you to uh, treat each other. So, um, and, to, and to motivate that, well and to motivate that, and to illustrate the grace, yeah. he brings in that great illustration. Like, once you understand that you've been forgiven a lot, yeah. you need to go ahead and yeah. do that same thing. And that's where we get the story of the unforgiving servant yeah. who throws a fellow gets another fellow servant yeah. thrown in thrown and in this is it. and and I think this is poignant here because again remember Jesus is constantly pointing to the fact to their need for grace mm. okay now the fact that they think see at this point the the popular view is that the Jewish people are God's instrument for judgment on the world we're the righteous they're the sinners yeah God's going to use us to judge them. Hmm. Well, no, this is the whole problem. Jesus is saying, no, no, you you are actually in as much in need yes. of grace and mercy for your sins as the rest of the world is. And they're just not quite getting this. So they're, we want to go out and punish everyone. Uh, it, it's just not, no, it, it, it's not going to work like that. That's not how the kingdom is going to come. Hmm. Um, the kingdom is going to come by you receiving mercy and grace and you going out and showing mercy and grace that's basically and look it's applied here in relation to the brother that sins against you but i think the message is bigger it, it speaks to that to the situation at the time of them not quite getting their situation of need it gets back to this being the child the, the the humble child the yes. lost sheep it's it's like no you are you are the lost sheep and and you have received mercy. So now the plan is that you need to go show, show mercy to others. Okay, that's wrapping up Matthew chapter 18. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll dive headlong into Matthew chapter 19 here on Thrive Deeper. back dj here with matthew jacoby for thrive deeper we have just flown through chapter 18 we are in a block of uh, jesus's teachings there are several blocks of these throughout the gospel of matthew and this is a really uh really quite interesting and almost i'm going to use a horrible word here seemingly on the surface higgledy piggledy bunch of teachings here in Matthew 18 19 yeah. 20 from Jesus we've just gone through Matthew 18 a principle that we didn't pull out there Matt that I, I was thinking when I read through it again is this the concept you know you've, you've brought out quite rightly the concept about you know it's talking about who is the greatest in the kingdom yeah. but there's another big concept that keeps coming back in Matthew 18 is our authority he wants part of being in the kingdom is how ha- is us mm. in the kingdom having 
his authority. He keeps laying that on us yeah. in Matthew 18. Whatever you decide, that's it. When you two or three are gathered and you do this, that's it. Yeah. As give you the keys of the kingdom. That's you know he keeps bringing the concept yeah. of authority through us. Which is why he needs to underscore what the nature of the plan is. Hmm. Uh, you know, the plan isn't that we go out and judge the nations. The plan is that we go out and extend grace. And in in a sense, you know, when he says, "I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom," uh, it's like he, he is um, he is giving them the ministry of reconciliation. He's giving that to them. He's giving them the ministry of grace that they they are authorized to to um, dispense forgiveness, to declare forgiveness in yeah. Jesus in Jesus' name, of course. Yes, um, not in their own right. But uh, this is a. Uh, this is a sort of powerful mantle that he's um, that he's given uh, to them, which is why I mean he says, and we we skipped over this as well. He says in um, Matthew eighteen verse nineteen, mm. again, truly I tell you that if two of two of you on earth agree about anything, mm. uh, ask what will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So he's underscoring there. He is. He's underscoring their authority that I put you in charge here, and like. Uh, because he's put it, put us in charge, God always done, does things through us because he's... So if you want something to happen, then you need to ask. And when two or three get together, because it's a corporate purpose that we have, mm. you know, when two or three get together, I get ready yeah. for, 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 an, for an answer for that because there's a sense of agreement around this purpose. Mm. Um, so, um, so I think, I mean, he, even there he is... You know, that's in the context of trying to lead someone towards restoration. Yeah. So he talks about greatness. He talks about authority. He talks about the idea of grace and forgiveness and all of these things in 18. Then we have chapter 19 where he finishes up. He heads out from Galilee and uh, he goes he goes beyond, uh, you know, the regions <laughs> out there. And uh, more crowds are following. More healing is happening. And the Pharisees come to him and they come with a with a... We now get into some teaching, which even for a lot of people these days, even for people in and out of the church, is like, wee, this is mm. you know, Jesus is getting pretty, you know, full on here, and it's all about the matter of divorce, mm. and and Jesus is taking it like he almost did a little bit in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, takes it up a couple of notches. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they are taking their um, sort of rabbinic disputes to him yeah. to see what he thinks uh, about these things. And he is an interested in abstract. Dis- I mean, he's not just interested in abstract discussion. I mean, he speaks very pointedly to uh, a problem, uh, and the problem is is that they have been divorcing willy nilly. I mean, that yeah. it's like uh, there's evidence from rabbinic writings that you can just divorce your wife if you're just yeah. sick of her, or if she burns your dinner, or if she. Yeah. I mean, that that's the kind of thing that it says there. Yeah. So, um, so. It was a fairly open because th- th- they found allowance for that in the law of Moses. Um, it was this that th- this goes back to this idea that they're caught into ticking the boxes of keeping laws without without really understanding the relational principles and the and well the bigger principles I guess. And so Jesus brings them back to the big picture. So it goes back to Genesis. Yeah, big picture. Uh, it's not just about oh have I tick the boxes on these laws. Yep, I've got, oh, yep, I can find a loophole. Yep, I can, so I can do this and this and this and still be right within the law. That was the way he's speaking. 
That was the way they were thinking. Jesus goes to the principal and he says here, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Mm. Uh, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So he's saying the principle here is is that, um, and, and it's interesting there because he talks to, he talks to, the, he talks to gender there as well. I think yes. this is important. Especially in, gender, in today's age. Gender slash sex differences. And that there is this mutual complementarity between those that actually is the it's that mutual complementarity that is the very definition of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the fact that male and female are two halves of one whole. Mm. And so uh, and and, and th- they they th- thereby become one flesh. Mm. And uh, this is a this is a wonderful uh, and a very fundamental expression of humanity, yeah. uh, of of male and female being absolutely equal before God, and being joined together, becoming one flesh, and together with their mutual complementarity, reflecting God's image. Yes. That's that's what we get. That this in, is God's design from the very beginning. Yeah, that's God's design from the very very beginning. And that's why marriage is so important. That's why marriage is sacred. so sacred. That's yes. right. And 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 that's why you know that's why the biblical definition of marriage is is between a man and a woman. Mm. For for these reasons, it's 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 not just oh we've got to do it just because it just because it says uh, for no particular reason. No, there's a very very deep theological reason yeah. uh, for that. Now. And, we, could, and, we could spend a long time. Yeah, we time could spend right, a long right time here. on that. Um, and uh, now it's a different issue, of course, of what what laws in society should be. But oh, but yeah. this is the this is the biblical view yeah. uh, of of marriage in any case. And from this, Jesus um, uh, Jesus uh, applies this then to the situation of divorce. He says, um, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. So it's like Moses was dealing with it, like he's pointed out the ideal, but you know the fact is is that things are things are a mess. Things are messy. Yep. Yeah, things are really messy. So he's saying Moses allowed for this because of the mess of life, right? Mm. Um, but you need to understand that it's never a good thing. So it says, um, so you know, he says, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you, and this is in verse nine. He says, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality. Um, and marries another woman, commits adultery. So he's saying, uh, except for, and, and the word there is is sort of un, unfaithfulness. Yes. Uh, it's, um, it is, uh, um, well. And it, it encompasses a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. But um, he, is, he is making an allowance mm. uh, for it. Uh, so he's he's not changing what Moses did. He's pointing out what what Moses was making an exception mm, for. Mm. It wasn't just oh, just because I've you know we've fallen out of love yeah. or, or or whatever. And he also puts a stipulation on it. He says, look, you know, if you do this, if you divorce on this, and then you marry another, then you're committing it. Like he he, he puts a, he puts a clarification on that. There's some some boundaries around what Jesus is talking about here. Yeah. But he but for in their minds. In that mindset, and for a lot of people today, yeah. he's taken it up a few notches about where God's yeah, standard yeah, is, right. yeah. to the point where you can see the disciples literally, yeah. you know, hands on their face, yeah. going, "Whoa, what are you saying? If this is the case, we're not going to get married." 
It's better yeah, that yeah, we don't yeah. even get married. Yeah, yeah. You know, type of thing. That's her immediate response. Dude, if that's what you're saying marriage is, why would we be getting married? This is insane, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And it's interesting that he... Well, first of all, let's just close off the bit uh, about uh, about divorce. Interesting, the word sexual immorality there is uh, porneia, from which we get, pornography. get the word pornography. Yeah. Um, so I think I think the word sexual immorality is is a I think that uh, I think that's a faithful translation, yes. probably close as we can get to that to that Greek word. Um, so he's he's making because remember and that refers back to the this idea of becoming one flesh. You know mm-hmm. the idea of this the the uh, sexual union of the man and the woman creating that marriage. Uh, situation so the breaking of that covenant is the you know is is that being um taken outside of of marriage so he's he is making an allowance for that but he um he is uh he's still upholding the the sanctity of marriage as it were and i mean the, the response of the disciples is a strange one if this is the situation between a husband and wife it's better not to marry yeah i mean it's like, oh, oh, well, I give up. Yeah. It's like if I can't... If I can't just yeah, divorce yeah. them willy-nilly, why even bother? You know, yeah. it's a strange... And, and he says, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs... Oh, this is deep. Uh, ...who were born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made that way by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of, of heaven. Um, the one who can accept this should. So he's saying that there, there are those that choose singleness for, for mm. the sake of... Um, uh, you know, there are ones that through circumstances just are, mm. and then um, there are some that were um, that were born that way. So mm. it's he's it's an interesting it's an interesting. There's been a bit of discussion about this about what what is he actually getting? Yeah, uh, probably more than we can get into here. But he's just saying there are different kinds of circumstances, mm. um, uh, and and there are some that choose this. But I don't think he's uh, he's certainly not saying that it's better not to marry. He's yeah. saying, well, yes, for some, it's enforced on them. Some choose that, but yeah. and, it's, and, it's and, not for And everyone. he even allows, look, you can even choose this if you feel that this is your, like like he says, if you're able to receive this, yeah. fine, do it for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Look, there's so much here in gender, sexuality, and even, um, you know, the modern... Uh, political talk about around all this yeah. about gender and uh, you know how you identify and everything like that. Even even in this um, you know idea of eunuchs and people being uh, undeterminate sexual identification, all this different stuff. There's a lot of stuff in mm. here in this passage that we could pull out. We're not going mm. to. If you've got questions about these big weighty matters. Probably something uh, that you know. I encourage you to go, you know, seek out a pastor, talk to them about mm-hmm. it. If this is something that yeah. you have deeper questions here about this patch, because there's so much in there. Yeah. But if we move on in chapter 19, he comes back to the little children, which again, is interesting. Again, uh, then people brought little children to Jesus, and the disciples rebuked them. Now, this is again one of these situations where they're not getting it. I mean, he's just said to them, unless you become like a little child. That you will not enter the kingdom of heaven, and the people are bringing the children to Jesus, and they're thinking uh, he's too important for these little children. Yeah, um, which is again showing that they're not quite getting. Yeah. they're not getting what he's talking about, and that's where you get then who does come. 
I mean, who are they happy to come to? Well, it's the it's the, the rich, rich young man. Well. So the, the the bit about the little children being driven away, and mm. then the rich young man comes along. It's this contrast that that is being made. So in other words, Jesus says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he placed his hands on them and he went from there. And it says, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Mm. So in other words, how can I enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, he's just said, he's just said to by becoming uh, a little child. I bet you they don't turn away the rich guy. No. You know, he's like, oh, Make way, everyone. Everyone make way. Step yeah. aside. Push. Get these children out of the way. We've got this rich, this godly, rich, yeah. law-abiding yeah, yeah. Uh, Jew to come and, and, and talk to Jesus. And in, 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 this, uh, in this day and age where, you know, depending on what country you live in, you know, we do sort of revere wealth. But something else we, we revere, and I often think about this passage, and I've seen it multiple times in churches that I've been a part of, is the celebrity yeah. You know, a celebrity turns up yeah. at church and it's all of a sudden, it's the same thing. Wait, whoa, whoa, make way. Come on down, Mr. Celebrity. Take the special seat here at the church. It's that same thing where it's like, no, 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 no. You've got it upside down. We yeah. don't need this. I love in chapter 19, we get a few times where the disciples are just gobsmacked, astonished, amazed yeah. at what Jesus is teaching. We get, you know, the teaching about divorce. They're like, well, yeah. what are you talking about? They they try to chase away the children. Jesus says, no, children, they're gobsmacked at that. And when Jesus finally yeah. sends away the rich men, they are like, what is going on? They are yeah. totally not, not no clue. Yeah, that's right. How can anyone? <laughs> they say, well, how, how can anyone uh, be saved? Mm. Um, and, you know, he says, with man, this is impossible. With God, this is possible. Like, in other words, um you're going to be saved because God has done it. Yeah. It's not because because they're thinking, if this rich man can't be saved, then what we've got to do more than that? Like, what have we got to do? And actually, the point is the opposite. No, it's something that's got to be done for you. And the the and that's that brings us back to the, the this little child relationship of dependence mm. on God, which then bridges into the parable of the workers in the vineyard, which talks about the grace that you, you have this picture of these workers who got this great wage that they didn't earn. Yes. And that's the whole point. Yeah. It's like you are going to you are going to receive something that you didn't earn. That's how you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And we also get that glimpse again that they're still not slightly getting it because we see that they are still thinking in earthly way, earthly yeah. ways. That's why they're excited when the rich you know the good kid, good rich kid comes yeah, along yeah. cuz they're like yes finally okay we're going to get something yeah. here and peter when it, when it gets to the point where jesus turns him away and the guy goes away sorrowful peter one of peter's questions is like dude we gave up everything for yeah. you we have left everything for you what are we going to get when are we going to get something back here yeah. Yeah. when is this going to turn into an wise investment yeah and uh jesus really i think jesus answers him in such a patient way and reveals the truth to him. Like he, yeah. in the end, he says, yeah. "Look, you're going to get more than you ever even That's ever right. dreamt of, but it's not what you think." Yeah. And but after he said, I mean, he says, "Everyone who has left, you know, all of these things that they will absolutely be rewarded." But notice what he says in verse thirty. But many who are first will be last, hmm. and many who are last will be first. Hmm. So just. He's sounding a caution. Just be careful. This is not, you're not earning anything here. Just be really careful that you don't wear this like a badge. Yeah. Like, yes, um, uh, the, the, you know, God will reward those who are committed to him, but um, 
uh, that's where he goes into the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight after that statement. Yeah. Uh, because he's cautioning Peter against this achievement orientation. Yeah, Be- Peter, because you were one of the first to follow me, you yeah. haven't got some sort of special rank. Yeah, yeah. You know, which flies it flies in the face. It's funny going through these passages here. We've got a um, a dear friend. I've got quite a few dear friends who are Catholic. And it's funny, as they've been reading through this with us and really struggling, uh, you know, um, with some of the, you know, some of the claims back and forth with, you know, the, the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church and the different the way the different traditions come up. Of, co- of course, these passages about Peter, they see Peter as the first pope. And mm. what Peter says, you know, Jesus says, I'll build, the, you know, the church yeah. on, you know, yeah. on, on, on this. There's so much here that as they're reading it again, they're struggling with, the claims of the Catholic Church on the life of Peter mm. and the Peter being the first pope and his, you know, the church being built on the rock and Peter being the rock, yeah. you know, type of thing. Um, you know, the last minute should be first and the first should be last. Is there, should we revere Peter in a special way? Is there some, you know, as a Protestant, sometimes I think, you know, I look at the richness of the history of of the Orthodoxy or the, or the Catholic Church and I think, man, am I missing out on something of not revering this man and holding him in a special esteem? But then I, then I fall over these patches of tear of Jesus saying, yeah. there's nothing special about you, man. Like the first should be last, the last should be first. Yeah. You're all going to get it together. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, – I, and I think the way that the Gospels uh, are put together is, is done in a way that uh, – to help us to see the the humanity of these guys, of these apostles. Now, the book of Acts paints an amazing picture, actually, of Peter and Paul and these guys. And certainly we honour, you know, we honour those who came before us. It's like we belong to this big family. We honour those that came before us. Mm. But but that doesn't mean that we should pedestal them and treat them like they had some uh, greater humanity or, or, or belong to some like there's a kind of status yes. thing they belong to some higher status Sainthood or, something. or something yeah yeah um uh, I, I, yeah, that's so, so yes I think we should I think we should honor them but not um but not pedestal them certainly not worship and certainly not pray to them uh, yeah. to, to me that that idea of praying to uh, a saint I, I find that perplexing actually yeah, yeah. We, we we pray to God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, it's like, mm. uh, and I think the the spirit of um, the spirit of the Protestant movement is getting back to the simple biblical faith. You know, it's Christ alone. It's th- by grace through faith alone. You know, it's mm. Scripture alone. Mm. It's this. Mm. Um, it's getting back to the simple core tenets, and and over history, a lot I think got added to that. So that's that's sort of the spirit of. Uh, of, of Protestantism, that's all there. I mean, the Catholic Church have preserved all of that, and there's some wonderful things uh, happening within the within the church. But but there are there's a lot of I feel that there's a lot of other stuff that's been added to that that mm. isn't particularly helpful at best, and and um, can be misleading at worst. Um, so uh, I think. Um, the story of Peter and the Apostles here is a wonderful story, and yeah. I've constantly drawn comfort from this <laughs> because because they don't get it, they don't get it there. But 
and 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 I feel like that's that's me. I mean, I I I, I see in my own life a slowness to really get things, different mm. sorts of things. Mm. I mean, we can read this and say, stupid people, why aren't they understanding this? But you know, we're we're the same. There's plenty of stuff that we don't yeah. get. But God is so patient with us, and and um and it takes for Peter, and and I think this is a good note to finish on. What is it that co- what is it that brings about the change in Peter? This is oh. super confident Peter. Mm. Here he's saying, well, "I've left everything, yeah. you know, uh, for you." And and then you've got him saying at the Last Supper, "Even if everyone else turns away from, I will never." He's he's really not the little child. He's he he's the he thinks that he's rich, yeah. you know, yeah. um, in virtue. It's not until he discovers that he's not. It's not as the, uh, until he denies Christ three times, as Jesus predicted, that he is broken down, that he realizes that he is as much in need, if not more, of grace that, as anyone than anyone. So that actually is the moment of transformation for Peter. That's how Peter, the Peter of the Gospels, becomes the Peter of Acts. It's through the broken spirit and the contrite heart. That's when he becomes the little child. That's when he becomes the recipient of God's grace. And grace transforms him into the Peter that we know from the book of Acts. Happy birthday. That's it. One year. One year. Thank you so much. If you have been with us since the very beginning... I tell you what, I would love to hear from you uh, if you have listened to every episode that we've put out. Every, all 57 episodes. If you've listened to all 57 episodes, please get in contact with me. Now, if you're on social media, just search for DJ Payne. DJ P-A-I-N-E, Payne with an E on the end. You'll find me across all social media. Just drop me a line, say g'day, tell me that you've listened to all 57 episodes and I'll... I'll send you some sort of prize. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll work out something special for you. But uh, if you want to send us a question or let us know what your thoughts are, feedback about the episodes, as usual, head over to the website thrivetoday.net.au. You'll find links to all of our uh, official social media, our Facebook page, our Facebook group, all over there on the website. Some exciting news coming up very shortly as well. New series coming and... Uh, Uh, I won't say any more. There's some great stuff, but uh, keep tuned to Thrive Deeper. Hopefully, this is the first year of many more to come. It's been an absolute pleasure, been an absolute honor, and uh, I feel very, very blessed to be a part of it. Well, enough of the mushiness. Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Matthew Stewart, the crew behind us, we just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that has been supporting us along the way. I'll see you next week before I get too sentimental. This has been DJ here for Thrive Deeper. Bye. Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us, the Thrive Today website, where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, thrive. Thrive.